Hi all, Double G from Fight Game Media here, letting you know that we have a sister podcast feed to the one you're listening to right now. Mike Gilbert and J.D. Oliva have been doing a podcast called Brace for Impact, which is now on a free feed of its own. You can search for Brace for Impact in your podcast player or check out the link in the show notes. And if you want more Brace for Impact, you can find more from Mike and J.D. on our Patreon. And boom goes the dynamite. All right, welcome, welcome, ladies and gentlemen, once again to episode two of The Boom, the Fight Game Media Network's all-everything AEW podcast. I'm your host for this evening, James McDaniel, here with my co-host, Kevin Ely. Kevin, how are you doing today? I'm great. How was your Thanksgiving? I had a great Thanksgiving. It was really just me and my little dog. I cooked enough for an entire family as, if, well, if anyone was actually physically watching this, which I think we're going to start doing pretty soon, they would absolutely be able to tell. But uh, <laughs> it was pretty good. How about you? This is good. I had two Thanksgivings with uh, both sides of the family, and I think I'm, uh, I think I'm stuffed through winter, so I'm ready to, <laughs> ready to go hibernate. I think that's a big part of the Thanksgiving traditions, putting on the winter weight to get us through the cold months coming up. And uh, speaking of the cold months, I kind of liked this week having Dynamite the day before Thanksgiving and Rampage the day after. It brought me back to as a kid. We almost always had a Thanksgiving. We always had something wrestling-wise on Thanksgiving. Yep. Yeah, especially us, uh, because I I heard um, actually on the – Brace for Impact uh, podcast, Mike and JD were talking about that, the difference between different territories, that the Northern Territories didn't really do that as really? much as the Southern Territories all, we, we always had Thanksgiving with Starcade and, uh, you know, the Superdome shows. And um, I think that's when World Class used to do Star Wars and everything, you know, and then in Survivor Series became uh, the, you know, the whole Thanksgiving tradition. Exactly. It brought gobbledygooker into all of our holiday traditions from then That's on. Right. Uh, all the way to today in 2021. By the way, in case we don't we didn't bring it up last week, I can't remember offhand. Uh Kevin and I bro- both grew up in Mid-South Territories. I'm broadcasting to you live here from Deep South Louisiana, and Kevin, you grew up watching Mid-South there in Oklahoma City. Yep. And yeah, just very very similar uh wrestling traditions. And this week, I think, was a pretty good week. Uh, I really, going into the podcast today, I was thinking, man, there's not that much to talk about. But then when I started really looking over everything we saw this week out of AEW, this was a great week. This was a really, really good week. Um, starting off with Dynamite, what were your, what was your take on Dynamite starting off with 40 straight minutes of CM Punk? <laughs> but I want to break that up in that a lot of people are talking about 40 minutes of CM Punk. Mm-hmm. AEW doesn't usually start off with long promos, but we got no. a promo battle between two of the best in the business, CM Punk, MJF. And I love that they gave us 20 full minutes for that, Kevin. I did too. And, you know, the last time they did anything even close to this was when Punk did his debut on Rampage and they gave him about 20 minutes, you know, just to uh, do a promo at the beginning uh, without a match. And this this was both, you know, a whole segment. I th- my first thought was, um, you know, oh, they're they're definitely knowing that they're not going to keep a huge audience tonight. So they're just going to front load it as much as they can and see how long they can stretch it. OK. Uh, and but it really I mean, it didn't feel like stretching like that was packed full no. of 
you know, action and everything. I also love that they gave it its own episode, essentially. Like, uh, they could have, you know, just treated last week as the big reset show, launch all the angles. And instead, last week, they gave us just the little tease just to get us in, oh, what's going to happen when they get together? And then uh, by telling us there's going to be a match, but then interrupting the match um, and interrupting Punk's music, which is always a great way to get the crowd going. Yeah. Um, you know, then, you know, oh, OK, this is what I wanted last week. And then it was just buckle up and sit down. And you basically had, you know, the length of a sitcom or, you know, the, of, a, of a full episode of TV just with these two interacting. And then uh, the match with QT Marshall. <laughs> I got to tell you, uh, halfway through this promo battle, I was like, man, they just went they just went a long time. I'm surprised the other side's not going to really get much time to, for a comeback. And then we got a full comeback and it was phenomenal. I think I marked out the most for the you're just a less famous Miz. <laughs> and yeah, I, wait, there was one more. Um I think that I think that was absolutely my favorite part. Of course, the um, you haven't realized yet that you're uh, you've been replaced by Britt Baker as the fourth yeah, filler. Great. I was actually surprised in looking back at this that I thought CM Punk kind of won this battle. A little bit. I mean, I think you could walk. I mean, they both got got some big hits in. I think uh, looking like I've, a meth addict. The yeah. UFC thing. I filled in on the uh, um, the Dynamite show earlier this week. Um, on the fight game media plus and with Paul Fontaine and we, and I believe I described it as the fry Takuyama battle of Volvo applications. <laughs> Finn oh, remembers great. that fight of pride from like early two thousands. It was just two guys. Let's just agree that we're both going to punch each other in the head as much as we can and not block anything. Like they both really laid out for each other, you know, uh, they really they just did let each other go there wherever there was, uh, you know, I, the, it was funny, though. I think it was the meth addict line that um, saying, like, you know, I can't believe you're straight edge as, as much as you look like a meth addict or something. Yeah. And and punk just kind of went like that. OK, that's a good one. Like, <laughs> you know, it just, every once in a while, you know, I, I've got to tell you, Kevin, like this is a, a recurring pattern that I'm seeing in AEW. And I really like it as in when Britt Baker is putting down her opponents like I think. It was something to do with with Ty Conti. I remember showing her ass, like mm -hmm. literally, mm -hmm. and I was like, Ty Conti does highlight her ass a lot in social mm -hmm. media, and it was things like that with every woman she's been in a feud with, and the ladies have to be in on it, just like Punk and and MJF had to be in on all this, and it it's impresses me how much better a simple promo can be if you just address real life. Mm -hmm. If you just make it real and it's been a, to me, a recurring theme in AW, and I love it. Yeah. I, that when you brought up the Britt Baker thing, it made me think of a line that, uh, Tay Conte did in one of their highlight packages where she said, you know, something about you, since you're focused so much on my ass, I'll let you know that I would kick yours, but since you don't have one, yes, I'm going to kick yes. your teeth in and make you fix them yourself. <laughs> and I thought that was, someone had to give her that. It was so great. And there was also, I believe, one at one point about sleeping with somebody in the locker room. Yeah. As in they're all relatively reality based and it mm -hmm. makes it it makes it as a it makes you as a fan feel like you're in on something mm -hmm. that you're really in on some behind the scenes stuff. And it makes the it makes the heat feel so much more real to the point that, look, I love like. I loved this promo. I loved everything about it. A lot of people are like, oh, they're just doing what WWE does. No, WWE does this 
all the time with no substance with people who can't not only can't talk, but also are having the scripts written for them. So they all sound exactly the same. This was two masters given time to work. There is no difference between this and seeing Suzuki and, and, and Brian Danielson given 30 minutes or I mean, <laughs> or Brian Danielson and Kenny Omega given yeah. 30 minutes. There's no difference. Yeah. These are the best talkers in the world. It's a strong style of promo battle. There you go. Exactly. And by the way, I love the Takia. I love the, the Takia Madan fry throwback. If anybody out there has not seen that, go watch it. Just, it's, yes. two, it's two giant men, literally hands behind each other's heads and punching each other in the face with the others. And by the way, Don Fry, look, I've, I've, I've been front row to see Lex Luger in his prime. Mm-hmm. Don Fry is the largest man I've ever stood next to. Really? Like, I'm not a small guy. Like, I'm a big dude. And... I've got a picture of me standing next to Don Fry, and it looks like I'm his 12-year-old child because <laughs> it's just like his shoulders are twice as wide as my body. Yeah. It's ridiculous. That's my brief aside for the day. And then the Punk versus QT match, I think yeah. it was good. I don't remember anything about it. I don't because yeah. like my mind is focused on the bigger story-building aspects of this show, and that's one of the other things I like about AEW is when they give you – when they give you a long promo, it means something. It's building towards something, and your mind just races away with the possibilities when they do it. Um, then we got Brian Danielson versus Colt Cabana. What did you think of this one compared to the the match last week? Compared to his Dark Order beatdown of a week ago? Uh, I have to say, I enjoyed last week better. There's just something about Evil Uno. Um, there's just something about him that yeah. was just just the right dynamic for that match for someone to just bully around um cold i don't know if it's because they have so much history um you know with the ring of honor uh kind of parallel careers you know coming up along around the same time that I, I i hate to say i expected more because i didn't really expect them to have like a classic you know five yeah. star or anything like that but it was it, it just kind of mm, i don't know it, it there wasn't a whole lot to it and I think uh, I'm in the fine. same boat. Other than the missing teeth. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's right. I totally forgot that until you said that. That was great. It looked like a little bit of a crown came off. Mm-hmm. And I love he had it in his hand. He played it up. It was such a great heel move. Mm-hmm. But I, I think I feel very similar about this match to where you do. And I knew they I don't think they'd had a match for like 14 years, 16 years, something like that. I, mm-hmm. I have it written down somewhere. And I think I expected a little bit more. But then I also realized, I think I like Evil Uno more than I realize I like Evil Uno. Mm-hmm. I think he's a guy based on his, how he looks physically as he's, he's kind of chubby, but not a big dude, like a Bam Bam Bigelow. Right. He doesn't look physically impressive, but he, he is always better than he looks like he should be in the ring. Um, then that led to a match that, we're not. I don't even think we're really going to talk about the match. Bear Country versus the Gun Club, and yeah. the death of poor Austin Gunn. The man was killed right there yes. on the screen. Yeah, poor one out um, for him. He we've already shot out the side of my television. <laughs> yes, y'all. So yeah, into this match, Sting comes out to Darby Allen's music. Austin Gunn propels himself down the ramp like a missile at Sting, and somehow. My dumb brain never saw this coming. Darby Allen shoots like a dart out of the side of the screen 
it, like Spears, Austin Gunn, almost, if you look back at this, Kevin, Darby Allen came like three inches from leaving the ramp. He almost yeah. went over the side. That was awesome. It was that incredible. Was, the timing was amazing. I remember what? a similar thing in NXT last year, maybe when um, Keith Lee did something like that to Adam Cole and launched him over a barrier. And it looked like you thought he was shot to the moon. Uh, yeah, it was it was great. And I think we talked about it before the air that you didn't really predict it. You know, like when Sting came out, we didn't you know, my first thought was, oh, Darby will be come out from the crowd or something while they're turning yeah. around or something That's like exactly that. exactly what know? I thought. Um, and I was actually distracted because when Sting came out, he didn't come out to his own music. He came out to Darby's music, right? Which was an interesting little touch. But um, yeah, I mean, it, it was <laughs> I mean, a moments like that. That's going to be the one of the things that goes in the TNT commercial for the show. You know, uh, in a few weeks, I'm sure it's going to have to absolutely. By the way, I, I I also don't know how Adam Cole survived that from Keith Lee. I never saw that, but I, I think the closest I can come from seeing that in the past was I believe Lance Archer versus um poor Marco Stunt, where he was just he would he would throw the guy against the ropes and then just shoulder block him out of nowhere and. And Marco was the perfect guy for that. Just perfect. Yeah, I think we're going to talk a little bit about that, a similar dynamic in a dark yeah. match later on. I can, and I can't wait to do that. I cannot wait. Which, by the way, this is something else we're going to talk about, I think, uh, in a little bit when we're talking about Rampage, about where's Marco's stunt? I missed the, mm-hmm. I missed the guy. Um Oh, next up we have the team, and I don't I don't mean to go segment by segment because I know other podcasts do it. I'm just trying to keep on track here, and we'll get our yeah. we'll get our legs under us as we go forward. But um, we had something really unexpected. We had this segment with with Team Taz, and I was really surprised when I saw it start. I'm like, why are they even at this table? I don't remember Dante Martin ever even ever even giving any real credibility or any seriousness to their offer to join Team Taz. And we see Leo Rush take the pin out of his hands. Yep. And then Dante Martin takes the pin back and signs the contract. There's no way anybody saw that coming, Kevin. There's no, no way. No, uh, to the to the point that it bothered me. Because hmm. usually um, usually when um, someone gives you, you know, what they would call a swerve or, you know, a, yeah. a, a twist in the, in the storyline, you know, you you want to have the um, uh, sort of surprise, but then oh that makes sense kind of thing, you know. Yeah. And um, there was another, you know, I dropped a filmmaking adage last week, and I'll do it again this week. Is someone talking about like a you want a twist in the plot? People are watching to go, huh? Oh, as opposed to oh, huh? Yeah, exactly. And That's this a was really one of those oh, great. huh moments because number one, Taz. Team Taz, God bless Taz, but like in storyline, what does he do for people's careers? They just get on a treadmill and they pass around a prop belt, yeah, you know, and and no one really becomes a big star by joining Team Taz. So in storyline, it doesn't make sense. But also it it just seems like, you know, it kind of puts Leah Rush in the babyface position. You know, it's just really intriguing. I, I have faith that it'll go somewhere that'll make yeah. sense. But right now I'm, I'm pretty confused. I have a theory though. Okay. Do you want to, do you want to hold off on the theory? Do you want to, or do you want to talk about it? Uh, I'll go. I, my theory that the theory that I think is happening is that it will turn out that um, 
Leo is actually manipulating. Leo is already in cahoots with Team Taz, and he's manipulating uh, uh, Dante to get into Team Taz with him. Ooh, okay, and, that's really interesting. Um, some that somehow it's all like a way to manipulate him to get him to do what he wants and a sort of reverse psychology kind of thing. I don't know. I might be overthinking it. The I've the thing is, I I think we're both. I think so many people right now are so excited about AEW and the type of storytelling they do. I think we all overthink it. And I think this guy's got to be designed that way a lot of times, especially with something like this. Because, like, immediately, like, when I brought brought that up with you, my mind started going, is it going to be that Darius Martin comes back and teams with Leo Rush and then takes yeah. on um, these guys? Or could Leo Rush be the new direction for Brian Cage, who I don't even know what his status with the company is. We know his like he hasn't been on TV in a long time. His wife came out kind of burying AEW for not having mm -hmm. him as the champion. And I don't want them to lose Brian Cage. I actually really like him in the company, but I don't know what's going on with him. And they, I have to think maybe they've been working on some new creative and maybe he comes into this. But mm. I could be, of course, I could be completely wrong on that. Have you heard anything about him not being with the company or anything like that? No, just sort of general chatter of people talking, you know, kind of assuming that he that he's kind of done or wants out or that, you know, he's not he's not going to get the push that he wants. Right. Um, and, you know, so well, I don't know. He might he might be one of those people that's like their first release, you know. Right. That's something that I think is worth talking about, because if you're Brian Cage, you're like you, you you're on TV almost every week. You're um, you're not a top guy, but you're very much like a B plus level guy. You're right under, as in they had. I believe it was Brian Cage. They had beat Adam Adam Page to kind of knock him out of that number one contender slot. Mm -hmm. I don't know four to six months ago, something like that. And it's like you're, he's not going to go anywhere in WWE. He's mm -hmm. he's not that tall. He looks he looks huge in AEW, which is perfect. Like. ROH might not even exist in a few months. Right. Um, MLW, I, I believe, is working on a deal with like 2B TV or Pluto TV that WWE is actually trying to stop from happening. Like, where else do you go unless it's New Japan? And that's with with COVID. We've got we've got COVID Omicron Theta or something right. coming now to destroy the planet. Right. Who knows when anybody's going to be able to go to New Japan or come go to Japan, come back to America, any of that. Like if if you were Brian Cage, where would be a better place for you? I mean, if I were Brian Cage, I would be patient and stay with where I am because being yeah. on board uh, at the hottest new company that's starting that has the brightest future is the best place for me. If if he's someone that's like, I want to be on top right now, really like something like impact is really the only option. That's a good point. Um, you know, or wait around and see if Ring of Honor actually does start up again. I know a lot of yeah. people don't have their fingers crossed for that. Um, I kind of get the sense that if he really wanted to go to Japan, he would have. I, I don't remember him ever having a big Japan run, but I could be wrong. I don't think he um, has. With and like New Japan, no all Japan or something like yeah. that. New Japan Strong might be a good option for him right now. But again, nothing, nothing's going to put you on national TV every week. Nothing's going to help you sell merch because, and I could be wrong on this, but I believe AEW wrestlers get a major, major cut of their merch, like almost mm. all of it. Mm -hmm. And uh, as opposed to anywhere else. And of course, they've got the outlet to sell the merch being on national TV. Yeah. I hope, I really do hope that what is going on right now is... 
like they sat down with him at some point and are just like, let's, all right, let, let's pull back and let's come up with something that you're going to be happy with. I hope that's how it went down. But, but yeah, who knows? This, is, this, this got me thinking about it. this Dante Martin thing mm-hmm. got me thinking about that. We'll get back to the show in just a minute, but I wanted to let everyone know about Fight Game Media Network Plus. If you enjoy the Fight Game Media Network, check out Fight Game Media Network Plus at patreon.com front slash fight game media. We have three specific Patreon only shows and we'll soon have monthly bonus content from the show you're listening to right now. And it's just five bucks a month. So if you want to support your favorite podcasts on the network, go to patreon.com front slash fight game media and you'll get more content than you can shake a stick at. Yeah, and this, uh, you know, th- that kind of brings up something I think about with AEW that I that I I wonder if Tony keeps in his mind um, if he can afford to do this is um, have a promotion where people it's expected for you to be taking three months off a year. Yeah, you know, uh, there's a few people who work year round, but you know, by and large, you come in, you do a program, and then you take some time off and heal up. You know come up with a new storyline, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, you know, because we're seeing that people can sit out for a while and come back, you know, Kingman took time off, came back bigger than he was. Uh, Miro's currently kind of taking time off, you know, a little bit that seems like, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and that's the kind of thing that like Brian Cage, if, if they could just say, Hey, sit tight, you'll get your chance. We're going to cycle through a little bit and then we'll come back. We'll come up with some great ideas for you. Yeah. Um, you know, and just make and also, that the norm. And also, as people are having injuries, as people get COVID, those sorts of things, AEW's done a really great job of brainstorming, replacing people, and creating great new storylines. To me, if you're Brian Cage, even if you're not where you think you are, you could be one Lance Archer neck injury away from yep. a big-time storyline, um, which if he was there and available, maybe that could have already happened again. I don't know what mm-hmm. situation we're just brainstorming, but you make a great point. Like Riho was gone for almost a year due to COVID mm-hmm. and now she comes back. And, and as we're going to talk about in a second, one of the biggest stories of, uh, of this week in AEW is that Riho ended up getting a win over Britt Baker. I like how and why they put the story together. Like we reviewed the video. She never got eliminated in the battle Royal, she de- she deserves a match, and if she gets the win, then she gets a title shot, and now she gets a win, um, leading to an even bigger breakdown of the Jamie Hader, um, Britt Baker uh, mm-hmm. team there. Which, by the way, I've, I've I've been really liking that team because I like the idea. Of, again, we grew up on we grew up on factions. We grew up on the four horsemen mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. horsemen beatdowns, and I felt like they were one person away from a legit like. And no offense to all the WWE lovers listening to this, <laughs> I never paid attention to all their their multiple different four horsewomen squads. The Ronda Rousey one, the Charlotte one. To me, this felt really natural, and I thought they were only one person away. And I was kind of daydreaming about. Jade Cargill somehow coming in, yeah. being the Lex Luger slash Sid Vicious slash Barry Windham of mm-hmm. that squad. But now we're seeing the breakdown. And um, first, what did you think of the uh, what did you think of the uh, the Jamie Hayter Thunder Rosa match this week? I thought the match it was one of my favorite matches of the week. I I did really enjoy it just because you don't really get to see the women cut loose 
a lot on Dynamite. Yeah. Uh, some of that's because of the limitations of the the people. And you had a match here with two people who are pretty experienced and and can really go. And they kind of really, I mean, they were laying it in on each other. That was yeah. that was pretty stiff yeah. match. Uh, so. Um, I really like that. I've been waiting to see Jamie Hayter, like see what she's all about. Cause I feel like they really have not featured her in a way that gives her her own identity and gives her, you know, uh, right. something to p- make people really want to see her turn. So I was really glad to see that in this match. I thought the turn was done well because it wasn't overplayed. Like she really yeah. was just mad. You know, she was mad. I don't want to talk to you right now. I'm going to walk off, but it wasn't necessarily like, I'm not going to push her down or, right. you know, she still came out for the dynamite match, which would have been taped the same night. Mm-hmm. Um, rampage you know, match. yeah. And I actually kind of, ex- yeah, sorry. The, the rampage match. She, um, I kind of expected it to, to be, during the Riho match, I kind of expected maybe Hater would try to interfere and like flip the turn, you know, flip the coin on it to where yeah. Hater actually caused her to lose and she didn't at all. She didn't play in it to at all. Right. And so some of that's Again, a little she was programming. Just, she was just a little aloof, as in she didn't yeah. come out with Brit. She came out, you know, 50 yards behind Brit. Right. Right. She's always been a little distant. You know, she doesn't ever do the DMD and that kind of thing. Uh, so I kind of like the mystery of it. Um, and, and Brit doesn't really mistreat her the way that, um, uh, Wardlow gets mistreated, you know? So it's not like where you're just like every week you're expecting him to finally say, when are you going to stop taking this? She doesn't get denied roles at Friendsgiving by, uh, by Brit Baker, poor rebel, poor, poor Reba, whatever her name is. Yes. She's just having a hard time of it, man. Yeah. But, uh, no, I, Something you said, they they like they they laid in on in this match, Thunder Rosa, Jamie Hader, they were laying in hard on each other. And I like that particularly because, in my personal opinion, for whatever it's worth, the biggest weakness I see in women in AEW and a lot of the men in AEW too. I can name a lot of men that do this, that like they will be in the middle of a match and they're throwing punches that are almost afterthoughts mm-hmm. and they're barely touching. They look mm-hmm. worthless. And to me, the way to get over that is to be getting getting punches laid in on you by Thunder Rosa. Like that's the way <laughs> to get that out of your system is to get is to absorb some of these real blows to get you to deliver them right back. And I and I that was one of my thoughts during this match. And I really, really loved it about this match. It's one of the things I like the, the most about Thunder Rosa. It makes me think a lot of the women of AEW probably like the least about Thunder yeah, Rosa. She might, yeah. And then our, our kind of last big thing on Dynamite is uh, the Andrade. And this is, there's a really interesting story to cover here um, that you brought up with me. So I'm going to let you take it when we get to it. So we've got Andrade, El Idolo. We've got Malachi Black. We've got FTR versus Cody versus Pac versus the Lucha Brothers. There were just a million great spots. We're not going to go through them all. But there were two interesting things. Number one, Cody throwing his weight belt out into the out into the crowd. They throw it right back at him. Then it gets thrown under the ring, and he looked legit upset at, at, yeah. at a couple points here. And then, to, like, talk to us about what happened after this match. So yeah, the crowd's all over Cody the whole match, um, and then Cody to me seemed either like he was really playing into this really well, or was really kind of bothered. Um, by something I I had read somewhere that I think Dave Meltzer reported that uh, some people in the arena were chanting some inappropriate things or something that might have really bothered him. I didn't see or hear it on TV, so I don't know. But yeah, after the match, after Dynamite goes off the air, 
um, Andrade peels back the pads on the uh, out outside and DDTs Cody on the concrete, like old Ricky Steamboat spot, um, knocks him out. And um, they published the video. Uh, they showed a highlight of it on Rampage to set up a street fight next week or Atlanta street mm-hmm. fight. But on YouTube, they published the basically the unedited or the, you know, the straight from the feed uh, thing. And um, at a time I was thinking this should be on Dynamite. But also at the same time, I was like, I could see why it wouldn't be uh, because they Cody's knocked out, laying on the ground and the heels are standing over him and the crowd starts chanting at Cody. You deserve it. (laughs) Which is so mean. That's so cold, man. That's cold. Ice cold. And I'm like, oh, I hope he's not really hurt. (laughs) Yeah, I would hate. Like, I would hate for, like, real-life yeah. Cody Runnels to be coming back to consciousness and hearing right. that. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, that's a tough spot to take, you know? I mean, that's that's not a lot of margin or error, driving your forehead into the ground and not hitting your head too hard. Yeah. And and just to hear them just be that ruthless to him. <laughs> I'm giggling like a schoolgirl over here. Oh, my God. Yeah. So I can kind of see how they might not have wanted to, you know, maybe they anticipated that and, and were like, let's just edit that out. Cause they did not play that on the, uh, on the rampage highlight. I wonder, it's so weird that that didn't make air. Do you think it was a timing issue that it, I, it didn't I would make need it to on? go back to see if the end seemed like it was rushed. It does seem like something that would have been a show closing angle because the show just right. kind of ended. I mean, it, it, you know, the, the, the match was over and it just sort of ended. Um, I, it seems like if you were booking that to happen, that's how you'd want to end the show. It's, oh, my God, yeah. it just happened to Cody. Turn into Rampage and we'll find out. Yeah, but we had more stuff afterwards. Yeah. And I don't know. That's a weird one. That, I think that definitely should have been on Dynamite, though. I think that's that 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 definitely uh, definitely goes into that category. Absolutely. Maybe Tully and Arn took, took up too much time squaring off in the ring and pushed him over time or something. I am fascinated by where that's going. It's clearly going to a match. I mm-hmm. don't think it can be a regular match. What no. kind of what kind of stip do you see happening here? Oh, Lord. I hope it's not like the old uh Pat Patterson, Jerry Briscoe, you know, where they do like a tuxedo match or something, yeah. you know? Yeah. 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 Uh, Brings me I don't back know. Maybe, maybe there'll be in Jim like Cornette, a six man or something. Maybe I, so. Yeah. Like I, here, the thing is, I absolutely want to see Arn versus Tully in something, mm-hmm. but I don't know what I want to see them in that I feel okay with because right. I know Arn's injuries. Mm-hmm. I don't know Tully. Tully can still kind of go. He seems but only pretty kinda, spry. Yeah, like I, I'm sure they'll do a good job of it, whatever they choose to do. So I'm interested in seeing where where this is going. Well, it's um, interesting they haven't touched yet, and so there's you yeah. Know, I hear some people when we talk about it in the group and, and, and while we're watching the show uh, on their Facebook group that like you know there's some people predicting the Tully and in cahoots somehow. Mm-hmm. You know, I I I really do feel like Cody at some point really 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 wants to have a horseman style beat down on him where. You know, he gets turned on by three partners at once or something. And, yeah. you know, I would love, uh, which I think I would lo- clearly the cloud would love that. At clearly, this point. clearly the crowd I would think love that. Yeah. We've established that. So I've got a question for you on this, mm-hmm. the next segment in the show, mm-hmm. because I might, I haven't seen anybody else talk about this, but I also haven't been looking for a lot of stuff mm-hmm. because 
I'll be honest, when I start looking at a lot of other commentary of shows that I'm going to be talking about, I internalize it and I don't want to start repeating stuff back. Yeah. So they had this Jurassic Express interview with Christian mm -hmm. and the whole time I'm like, where's Marco's stunt? Like, I bet Marco Stunt never thought Christian would be the guy to replace him here. <laughs> right. But beyond that, there's something that Christian said that bothered me. And it was the way he talked about how they're on a roll. But they've got this. They've got the momentum. And now they have Christian Cage. And he said, I'm going to make sure you guys win the tag team championship. And that sounded like a heel statement to me. Mm -hmm. It just it did. really did. Sitting here with the two two of arguably the biggest baby faces in the history of AEW. That really sounded like a heel statement to me, Kevin. Yeah, it did. So who knows? I mean, it seems like they're yeah. heading towards a title match. Yeah. Uh, we don't know. I think I the way things are squaring up now, we have an FTR title match coming up next week. Mm -hmm. Could see FTR maybe win those titles, uh, which would be a good pair up with Jurassic Express. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, then it's, also, does he, does he cost them the match because he interferes and messes up kind of like Jamie Hayter or right. does he cheat to win and they actually win the titles? And then there's uh, internal then strife there's when they realize strife or the guilt. Yeah. And we've already seen hints of Christian kind of leading a uh, jungle boy to become a jungle man and, uh, <laughs> you know, yeah. Yeah. Uh, embrace his little mean streak a little bit. So, you know, maybe that's that's sort of it. I, I, I really think Christian as I think CM Punk bumped Christian out of the uh, old gunslinger role. Mm -hmm. um, it, and so him as a baby face, I think the shelf life is pretty done. So I think he 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 needs to get to a point where it's I think it's time for him to turn heel. And Christian. Uh, Christian got bumped out of the gunslinger role, and Christian bumped um, oh the elite hunter. What is his name? Oh, a Kazarian. Yeah, Frankie Kazarian yeah. out of the gunslinger role as well. He also kind of got bumped out of the outwork everyone role because Brian Danielson's talking about how he outworked yes, everyone. He's he wrestling every I, week. I think it is it is noticeable we have not heard that phrase in a little while. Yeah. In a little while. Um, yeah. So that was the thing there. Also, I want to give. Uh, I want to give some praise to Luchasaurus because I don't give Luchasaurus a lot of praise. And the, there's a lot of matches therein where I think he is the weak link. Mm -hmm. I've thought that he was the worst, not the worst wrestler in AEW, the worst on that team for a while. He has mm -hmm. gotten significantly better to the point where I don't, I'm not watching matches and constantly criticizing Luchasaurus. Mm -hmm. And the thing is, he's had he had plenty of time to do all that and get better before AEW. But I think that now that he's in with all these guys who, who are out here having near five-star matches, I think that may maybe lit a fire under him. And I'm proud of the guy for going out there, working his butt off yep. and getting a little better. He knows what I, he needs to do, and he does it. Yeah, and he's, and he's doing it. Which, by the way, uh, for anybody that that doesn't know this i've been a big fan of survivor for like forever season one of survivor then that kind of bled over into me getting into big brother for a couple of seasons and i watched luchasaurus on big brother and then watched luchasaurus for i swear eight months before i realized this was the guy austin who was on Big Brother and also had his pro wrestling alter ego, kind of like The Miz on Big Brother. It took me forever to realize that. When it did, it absolutely blew my mind. I did not know that until you just told me that he was on Big Brother. Really? Yeah. Are you a Big Brother watcher? I never was a Big Brother watcher. I was ah. in the Survivor in the beginning, but not Big Brother. Okay. 
Okay, yeah. He was on there, and, and it was known that he was a guy that had been with WWE. They'd been a wrestler. And then when, when AEW starts and he's in this mask, I never put two, two and two together. I never put it together because you never see him without the mask. And it never hit me. There was an actual dinosaur on Big Brother. So Wow. Yeah, that, that threw me for a while. So then we've got poor Eddie Kingston, man. Eddie Kingston, first of all, he's been— catch a break. He can't catch a break. First of all, he's gotten criticized by by CM Punk, by Brian Dan, by everybody for not really taking things seriously. Basically, they're saying the man needs to do some sit-ups. Mm-hmm. We all need to do some sit-ups. Eddie Kingston, I could see doing some sit-ups. Yeah. But then he's sitting here. He's eating a piece. He's trying to enjoy a piece <laughs> of cake. The cameras yeah. show up. He's in his place like, of peace. Yes, exactly. He is in his zen, in his bliss, in this moment. Camera, show up. What do you want out of me? He starts giving Mox a shout-out. Here comes 2.0 and Daniel Garcia, mm-hmm. which has been my one of my favorite things for of the week is watching them. As I said on Twitter, they're just going around trying to collect ass whippings. Like they are begging Eddie Kingston to 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 kick their butts. They're begging Chris Jericho to to beat the living heck out of them. But I enjoy it so much, especially Matt, the little square-headed man, as Chris Jericho pointed out. Mm-hmm. I love this. I absolutely love it. And then they're talking about how you're not, you know, Chris, uh, Eddie, you're not hungry anymore. You, you, you know, you're full. And he's like, I want. He literally said, I want this cake. Yeah, which cracked <laughs> me up. It was my one of my favorite parts of any promo all week. I love the fact he's like, I really just, I want this cake, man. Um, that led to hot coffee being thrown in his face, and then led to 2.0 randomly wandering through a Chris Jericho promo later in the episode bragging about the coffee leading to Chris Jericho I don't think quite at his best talking about how square headed Matt Mm -hmm. is Uh, and it led to like threats from them and I I, I love it's one of the things I like about being the elite is the randomness of people wandering in and out of segments. They used to have a segment on being the elite where John Silver was missing. John Silver was missing for like a month. And then they have John Silver wandering the halls, both looking for his friends and his mother weeks. (laughs) And then he just wanders across best friends who are faces and the best friends beat him up and, and make fun of him for looking for his mother. And this kind of feels like that. Like just they're just wandering around backstage. Just, yeah, they could they could they could wander in, into an actual match that's happening. They can wander into into the the commentary position. Anything, and I love that for these guys because they're great at chaos. They're great at just talking smack. I really love that. Yeah. They're just free range d bags. <laughs> exactly. And it's that needs of, to be a shirt, yeah. Kevin. That's a great shirt. <laughs> they they they'd sell the crap out of it. I bet. In their Absolutely. Uh, TV segment, but they, yeah, that's one of the things I like about how the show was put together. Uh, Wednesday was, um, you know, it's real easy when they, you know, just for efficiency's sake, to do pre-tape interviews and you know have these segments and then roll them. Uh, you know, even I don't know how many of these were live and how many were pre-taped, but uh, you know the Jericho one seemed live, but mm-hmm. um, it it had the sense of a show that was happening in real time, you know, that like yeah. it made sense that they walked over to catering and they started some crap and they got their butts kicked and then, you know, and so then they're fired up. So they're walking around looking for another fight, you know? And so it's like, it, it felt like what happens when you go out to a stay out at a bar too late. Yeah. And that's, you know, there's just some guys looking for trouble, you know, uh, you it'll know, be interesting to see how they pair up Kingston and Jericho. Yeah. 
Yeah, because that we we got that we had um, the Kingston match with Daniel Garcia on on Rampage on Friday night, and I believe that closed the show, right? Mm-hmm. It did yeah, it closed the show, and then you had 2.0 immediately after Kingston wins the match. Um, you've got 2.0 jump him. Nobody's coming to save him. Moxley's in rehab. He can't be there, and Jericho decided to save him. I'm excited to see where that's going, and I'm also interested like like. Okay, there's three members. There's 2.0. Mm-hmm. There's uh, Daniel Garcia. Who's the third guy? Who joins uh, Kingston Jericho? Could it be a two-on-three? I wouldn't mind seeing that. Um, there's a lot of things I liked about that match I want to point out because, like, I don't want to break down all the matches, but when there's a good one, I want to talk about it. Yeah, that was and my last, favorite of the week. Yeah, and last week we both said this was the one we were looking forward to. And it actually answered one question I had, which is, um, does Daniel Garcia have any weaknesses? And like, he is a great wrestler. We, mm-hmm. I think everybody, everybody listening to this has a good idea that that he is a really good wrestler. His promos, he's not there yet. He's really not there yet. I think he's just finding his voice. I think 2.0 is helping him find it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's a great reason to put him in in programs with a guy like Eddie Kingston to help yeah. get, get used to coming back from somebody who's really good, to giving comebacks. Um, yeah. I like him being with 2.0 because they're so over the top. Yeah. It kind of makes him try to go over the top, which will be awkward mm-hmm. at first, but it'll kind of stretch him to where it'll, it'll stretch him be... to a normal level. Yeah. Because he seems reserved. Yeah. But he's got great faces. He's, you know, um, I I didn't really put it together until they mentioned it in the uh, commentary that the reason they call him Red Death is because he does this thing where he his face gets really red. Like he'll kind of hulk when he hulks up and. Uh, I didn't his, realize that. His, I noticed that his face was red, and then I think it was Excalibur who, of course, pointed out that he said they okay. call him the Red Death because he goes into this like, you know, murder state where during a match where his face turns red and he gets all psycho. So oh, I, I love if that, that was something I don't that know he how, did. I totally yeah. missed that. I'm so glad you caught it. Uh, so I mean, stuff like that is really cool. The guy's got a huge future, and he reminds me of um, you know when. Um, Zack Sabre Jr. first started teaming with uh, Suzuki Gun, and um, he really started learning some Minoru Suzuki stuff. And then his promos got more arrogant, and you know, and now he's just this, you know, total package. Um, and he's putting on mass. You know, I feel like five years, this guy's going to be huge. Absolutely. I, the fact that he came out of nowhere and all of a sudden he is one of my absolute favorite wrestlers. I think Eddie yeah. Kingston's definitely on that list as well. I was I knew of Eddie Kingston a year ago, before, like as in before his match for the TNT title. I wasn't a huge fan because I hadn't seen a lot of I wasn't him either. Yeah. And, and now all these guys who I've mm-hmm. never heard, I had never never really been a fan of oh, like a year and a half ago. Mm-hmm. They're all at the top of my list now. Mm-hmm. Now. There was one, there was a, there is what I thought was a promo on Dynamite. I can't find it in my notes right now that I really liked because of how basic it was and kind of how stupid it was. And it (laughs) led to a match on Rampage. And that is Bobby Fish and Adam Cole talking about being best friends. And all of a sudden here's best friends and like, what are you talking about, man? We're literally best friends. And I love that a match happened because one group said they're best friends. The other's like, no, we're best friends. I don't know why. I just, yeah. that's something I think gets lost in 
in all combat sports sometimes and that people try so hard to build a feud when it can just be like, hey, I'm the best. And somebody, no, I'm the best. Mm-hmm. Or like, we're best friends. We're better friends than that. Which, yeah. by the way, I'm excited because they keep dropping um, they tr- keep dropping Trent's name, which mm-hmm. makes me think Trent is coming back soon. And I'm really, really excited for that because I love Trent and Chuck together. I yeah, love them together a- in promos. He's the anchor of that team, and uh, yeah, and and having the person who can back it up, you know, kind of the in a way, his own way, the Luchasaurus of the act, yeah. Where it's like he's the guy that's like, you can have a Marco stunt, or you can have a Chuck Taylor being goofy, or even an Orange yeah. Cassidy, uh, you know, uh, but like don't make Trent mad because he will, yeah mess you up and so yeah it'll be great to see if he comes back uh and his last comeback was so great segment though (laughs) he was he was not good and see uh, i knew bobby fish could wrestle yeah i i again i didn't like i for years now i'm gonna be honest with everybody listening i do not like wwe like I will tune into WWE shows because I know somebody's good and I will get pandered to with some of the worst writing I've ever heard in my life like four times in 30 seconds and I will turn the channel off. So I did not watch it. Look, I watched a little NXT. I watched. Mm-hmm. So I never like I didn't know exactly. I knew Bobby Fish was a good wrestler. That's all I really knew. And yeah, he was I was surprised how weak he was in that segment. It's 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 a little that he's, you know, because one of the things that AEW does is trust their people to come up with their own material or trust them to ad lib and speak off takes the cuff. Time, probably. And he just wasn't comfortable with it. And there was one of those things where I think it was in that segment where he was making fun of Wheeler Yuta and like they're all kind of trading bars back and forth and then they yeah. stop and then after everyone says everything, he's like, What's your middle name? <laughs> and everyone just sort of looks at him like like he just dropped like a what? dead fish on the floor. You yeah. Know, like it was, it was just one of those things where it's like, he's trying to go for the great line. And yeah. everyone's like, what would, what does that even mean? You know, that's one of the things that I think is really interesting when people talk about people coming over from, from the WWE, like a lot of people really upset at the idea of Wyndham Rotunda coming over. Mm-hmm. And, and my thoughts were like, he seems very creative over there. I'd love to see, what he would look like with the gloves off. And there's a lot of guys like a Bobby fish. Who's been like, how many years was he with NXT? At least five, right? Yeah. Four or five and four or five. Even if you are pretty good on your own, it it has, it's got to take some time to get used to having the gloves off, being able Mm -hmm. to go out there totally unscripted. And there's some guys who came up totally in the WWE system who've never had a chance to do that ever. Like there are people whose first match was in NXT and their last match was in NXT. Who've probably been, been on, on this list of cuts in the last month. And, Again, as excited as I am to see what they're going to look like when they're somewhere else. And also, we got to give them some time. And I wonder if Bobby Fish just needs some time, especially being around like, look, uh, Chuck is goofy as can be. And Mm -hmm. he can talk nonsense all day. Mm -hmm. And Adam Cole is is like a 10 out of 10 Mm -hmm. when it comes to talking. He is phenomenal. And it's got to be tough for a guy to be kind of in with that group and be expected to bring out just just drop bombs, right? But uh, that's a good that was a good catch. I heard your dog in the background there. I, my dog is sitting 
for everybody listening. My mm-hmm. a lot of you know my dog Puppa Up from social media. She is sitting under this desk, staring at me intently, <laughs> like not breaking a stare. I have a glass desk, so I am looking. She is looking up at me. I'm looking down at her as I'm talking to Kevin, and she's just like. You mother, like you, like she is being ignored and she's not having any of it. And um, I feel like my dog is just being a little more of a psychopath than yours. <laughs> Mine's pretty chill. It's late though. She's ready to go to bed. Yeah. So speaking of NXT, we've got Tony Nice. Um, mm-hmm. What? Are, and I, I talked to you uh, before the show about this because again, I never watched Two Hundred Five Live. I haven't been exposed to a lot of Tony Nice. He looks great. He sounded good in this interview. Um, are you excited about what we have coming from Tony Nese? I know, like you said, you've seen a little of him in 205 Live. Yeah, I'm not excited. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, nothing against him. He's yeah. he's he's good. He's he's of a class of, um, you know, the state of the art of pro wrestling right now is the average wrestler is pretty dang good. Yeah. And, and he is, from what I've seen, and I didn't watch a ton of 205 Live, and I know that was a kind of snake bit show when it came to what they were trying to do with people. So I don't want to be unfair to him. He could really surprise me. But when he started showing up, number one, his timing is amazing because he showed up on AEW and got the little all elite graphic. And then a week later, WWE releases, you know, Ring of Honor shuts down and WWE releases what, you know, 50 people. So you've got, yeah, so you've got, you know, 75 to 100 free agents hitting the market a week after Tony Nese signs a contract with AEW. And And I guarantee you he would not have been the top half of that. Right. And right before um, ROH kind of released everybody, right. I think there's almost the exact same timing. And I, that's a fascinating statement. I think you're right, Kevin. Like, yeah. would he like, especially all the new people, like all these big names hit row. There's so many. I mean, I look, I want, I really want Johnny Nitro, Johnny, everything, mm-hmm. former Survivor superstar, Johnny <laughs> Nitro yes. to make his, I really want to see him in AEW. I have loved him for so long and he's never... Mm-hmm. Well, not never. Like I, he was great in Lucha Underground. He was. Like I would really like to see him in AEW. And you have to think, people like Hit Row, people like him, as in just Hit Row's a hot act. They're great mm-hmm. talkers. I don't know how they are as wrestlers. I've not watched them wrestle other than a few clips on YouTube. Um, yeah, you don't think? I don't think Tony Nese would have been at the top of the list. But no. Tony Khan has shown. He's he is good at picking wrestlers. He he saw Daniel Garcia. I'd never even mm-hmm. heard of Daniel Garcia. He saw 2.0 first time they're on TV. I called them vegetable lasagna. Yep. I thought these are the most boring people I've ever seen in my life. They literally make me want to die. Even you know not to be over the top here. Yeah. And within two weeks, I'm fans, and now I love them. I absolutely adore these guys. That's um, true. So you anything know, and, could and happen he, here. He was fine in his promo. So uh, was it? on rampage that he squared off with sammy uh yeah and and calls out sammy sammy kind of kicks him in the ribs little awkward there after sammy goes down like sammy's not jumping back up the Mm -hmm. camera's not really leaving but um but yeah that's leading to a match coming up on rampage this week that i'm excited about and they might have an amazing match you know sammy might be in that role of you know back in the role of the tnt title the way that cody had it where they're trying out new talent and they got great talent from that run so yeah you know we saw uh last week with uh jay lethal you know he woke me up to who jay lethal was so hopefully you know i'll root for i'll root for tony nice to to prove me wrong 
Then the other big stuff on Rampage, we've talked about Rio and Britt Baker. I'm ex- I'm excited to see where this goes. Rio gets a rematch, and we talked about before, again earlier this week. This match was so understated and underhyped. We should have, we maybe should have seen this coming because going in, I was simply thinking, I'm really surprised they're not hyping this as the first AEW Women's Champion versus maybe the greatest AEW Women's Champion. Mm-hmm. And then Rio ends up winning this with a roll up. And, uh, I didn't see it coming. I'm excited to see where it's going. It builds to the Jamie Hayter storyline, which we talked about. Jamie not really getting her own per like to be her own person yet. When you think about it, like think about like they bring her back, they put her with Brit, so she's in our faces. Yeah, and then that helps put her in storylines with people like like Thunder Rosa, where we can see that she can wrestle. And now this is kind of giving her the personality. Like this might have been the perfect build for Jamie Hater after all. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm interested to see where this is going. I'm 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 guessing I want I'm guessing we might get this Rio match at Battle of the Belts. I think do we know about when that is? I think that's early January. It's in January. I want to say the eighth. I could be wrong, but um Yeah. I so, think it's like within a week of that, if not. Yeah, so maybe they'll put it off until then. Um yeah, that I'm really intrigued by what that show will be. Um, if they're going to have anything, there's also winter is coming, which is going to be a big, a TV night. And then they've got, um, uh, New Year's Eve kind of show. Yeah. I think they're just that, that I think it's kind of a deal where it's not so much a big special as it is kind of offsetting it being a new Year's show. Do you kind of give a little hype behind it? Yeah. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of opportunities to do something big. I do think. You know, I was a little surprised because I honestly thought it was just going to be, you know, Brit wins, that's it. And I wondered yeah. why it wasn't just a title match, which, you know, looking back makes total sense. Um, and Riho is always great. Riho always gets the people behind her. It's exactly what Brit needs mm-hmm. uh, right now is is to have a really good title match that, um, you know, lets her look good. Because that's kind of the, the knock on her right now is she's a much bigger star than she is a great wrestler. Right. And and anytime people knock her, it's like, well, she doesn't perform to the level of, say, a Charlotte or a Sasha Banks or her, you know, her peers yeah. in the other company. Um, so she needs more matches like this. No, she does. And the thing is, AEW has the women for that. There's so much happening right now in this women's division. And I, I want it all to happen faster. And I'm not mm-hmm. criticizing. I think they're doing it perfectly. It's just my bit my big dumb brain just wants things to happen now. Like I want to see Bret Hart Serena Deeb now. I want to yeah. see the next Thunder Rosa versus Britt Baker now. I want to see the Jamie Hayter Thunder Rosa feud or Britt Baker feud. I want, like I just want it all to happen. And it's a thing where AEW has gone from the women's division definitely being a weakness simply because WWE had absorbed all of the talent. Mm-hmm. They'd absorbed everybody back in the day to where now I, I really think it's a strength. Like um, Chris Statlander is somebody um, I did not like her character early on. I hated the, I hated her as an alien. I liked mm-hmm. everything. I didn't think she was a great wrestler and I didn't like the alien stuff, but now she is a way better wrestler. They're not focusing on the alien stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, every week we get to see her ch- viciously choke out Wheeler Yuta on being the elite, which is always <laughs> entertaining. Just yes. her 
the 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 absolute realness of her grinning face mm-hmm. with her makeup, which I really like the makeup now around the mm-hmm. eyes, coming up behind Wheeler Yuta and grinning devilishly as she's about to choke him unconscious. I love it. Like I really like her character, <laughs> and that's just another example of AEW creating stars. Yeah. Uh, and and almost everybody we've talked about this episode are are people who were not stars, not really before AEW, and now they are. Yeah, I think they do need to I think they do need to have some more women's matches on Dynamite. Like they pretty much yeah. limit themselves to one a week, like pretty much every show, Dark Elevation, uh Dynamite and Rampage, they essentially yeah. have four women's matches a week. I think if they just had one more mm-hmm. on Dynamite, it would help provide a showcase. They could be squash matches, they could be different yeah. things just to get some of these personalities over in that way. We um, need of all the things that I said weren't going too slow, the one that is, I think, going too slow is the Serena Deeb thing. Like, yeah. I, give me more Serena Deeb being a heel. Mm-hmm. I want more of that. And we definitely need to see her in more, more matches because we know their their women's division is young. A lot of them are very green. We've got a mm-hmm. lot of great potential people. Like, Jade Cargill's going to be a superstar. Um, Sky Blue looks like she has a lot of potential. So many women, they need to be wrestling Thunder Rosa. They need to be wrestling Serena Deeb. Yep. Those women should be on TV every week, um, kind of kicking the green out of somebody, you know? Yeah, they should be They should be putting Serena Deeb in that Cody TNT type, you know. Exactly. You know, if they really... Uh, to, to me, she should have been the first TBS champion yeah. and really mirror that Cody thing where they're trying out new talent. They're bringing in new women, um, you know, and just and and seeing how they go against Serena. Yeah. And a lot of people I don't know if, how many people realize this. I'm sure a lot of the look, I think here on Fight Game Network, it's almost all hardcores listening to yeah. this. But Serena Deeb is one of the women who who helped build that NXT women's division into what it was like. They built so many great ra- female wrestlers. And she I believe it was her and Fit Finley that did that. And uh, the fact she went from a trainer over there, she should definitely be in a similar position or at least the woman you want your younger women wrestling as mm-hmm. often as possible possible yep let's see so now i believe that's everything from the main programming so now let's talk um what should have been on dynamite the paul fontaine special should have been on dynamite um i don't have a lot this week again uh 2.0s uh what's the name of their segment like something to do with chewing gum on bte Mm -hmm. every week i really like that let's see um the chew of the week, again, it's just them talking nonsense. It's just them sitting at a merch table talking nonsense. I don't need that on Dynamite every week, but I would really like to see that on Dynamite because BTE is where I fell in love with 2.0. Mm-hmm. That's where I realized just how hilarious they are, what great talkers there are. I like that now we're getting them. We're actually getting a version of that with them wandering from pro, from program to program, scenario to scenario on Dynamite Rampage. So I'm glad I would love that's it if there. they. I would love it if they would shoot a segment like that actually at the merch table at dynamite like what if they took a camera crew before the show you know while the people are there maybe during a site during a commercial break or something like that and they're just out there talking trash with the fans around there selling their merch you know like it'd be one of those things that feels less like just oh here's a pre-tape from backstage but uh you know just gives you a little extra oomph to it tell the fans just no profanity yell out whatever you want say whatever you want 
and have these guys just sitting there taking offense with everything. Yeah. Asking if you want want these hands, all the nonsense. That's a brilliant idea. I love that. Um, let me give you one more before we get to – I know I, yours is way better than mine this week. Um, there was a Wardlow yep. squash match on Dark that was a, it was a work of art. It was a guy named Orlando Perez who yeah. looked to be Marco stunt size. He was, like he three, was fun size, yeah. Three apples tall, this man. Yep. And uh, Wardlow crushes him. And, and then the fans are – like Wardlow gives him a, a great power bomb, and the fans are like – one more time, one more time, something like that. Wardlow crushes him a couple more times, picks him up, tosses him through the air. Mm-hmm. It was it was wonderful. It's a lot like the Lance Archer, like Marco stunt things we were talking about earlier. That was a really really fun squash match, and there's a lot of things that that I fell in love with in WCW for all their flaws. I just want to point this out. One of the great successes that I think every wrestling promotion should look back at is Big Van Vader. Mm-hmm. Like so many companies, WWE, they'll bring in a great talent and they'll bury them. They'll give them maybe one or two matches and bury them. Big Van Vader, we got like two promo packages or two video packages of this guy with smoke coming out of his masks. I was 12 years old. I was in shock. I was in awe at this man. And then you bring him in. And he just murders Tom Zink. Just yeah. str- couldn't have murdered him remember better if he had a gun. I remember, yeah. yes, I remember every second of that match. There was like 45 seconds of it, I think. I don't think Tom Zink got in an offensive move. And Tom Zink wasn't a top-level guy, but he was a star. Mm-hmm. He was a star. He was over um, with Flying Brian. Man, that's how you bring people in. And this Wardlow squash match reminded me a little of that. Like, as we move forward towards Wardlow becoming a much bigger part of AEW in the future, I hope we get to see more things like that and against people who are better than Orlando Perez. Well, Orlando Perez made a really great. He was great at doing that. He he begged for his life. (laughs) He did. At one point, like, he first he attacks Wardlow, beats him on the chest, nothing happens. Then he falls to his knees. He's begging for his life. He's literally kissing his shoes. He kissed his shoes. That's right. <laughs> Before the final squash, it was a lot of fun. It was fun. That was a great, great squash matches are underrated. Yes. And I think they have a place on weekly TV. Yeah. I, my, I, uh, I really do. Yeah. My, uh, my should have been on dynamite. Well, we already talked about the one of, um, uh, laying out Cody after the match. It seemed we were wondering if, even if that was even a yeah. mistake, um, you know, that's, that's the absolute should have been on dynamite. Something though, that caught my eye today, uh, was something that AEW released on, um, YouTube today. And it was just called, you can find it on their channel, uh, YouTube channel, AEW stars discuss the important of men- importance of mental health. Um, this was a video that, um, I believe Nick Namath, uh, had the idea for and actually put together and pretty much it's just a compilation of videos submitted by different personalities. Some of them we've heard of having issues. Uh, you know, the blade famously just talked about his own issues with anxiety and depression. He was one of the people in this video. They talked to, um, uh, who else? Amanda Huber talking about dealing with the loss of Brody, which I believe is the first time they've actually had her, uh, speak about that. Um, on any of their platforms. Uh, Vicky Guerrero talking about how she got over the death of Eddie um, and uh, Dax from FTR. Um, It was just people talking about their own struggles and also encouraging people to, you know, take it seriously and get health. And number one, I was struck by the, um, 
the casualness of it, of how they didn't try to overproduce it. It wasn't heavily scripted, um, you know, the way that, uh, you know, a more heavily produced company might do it. Um, and they weren't doing talking points. You really felt like even though some of these people were heels, you know, they were, you were hearing from the real people. Um, they linked to resources and all that stuff. And I just thought, you know, we talked about before the show of like in this time, um, you know, when it's going into the holidays is always the toughest time for a lot of people. And then put a, on top of that, a pandemic and, you know, um, all the, all the yeah. things that are weighing so, on us. I just, I just really hats off to them for doing that and hats off mm -hmm. to them for also for letting, uh, Nick Nemeth present an idea to the boss and then putting it on the air. That's one of the, I think that's that, what you just touched on right there is one of the, the biggest reasons we do this, this segment of the show every week is. AEW is the type of company that lets look so many of their guys and girls, women have a, have their own podcast. There's so many different outcroppings of AEW. And like you said, the fact that when they have ideas, they bring it to the boss and Tony Khan just says, run with it. It's phenomenal. And uh, it's one of the reasons this is such a great company is the freedom that all the, the, all the employees have. And this I think is particularly important. Like you said, especially around Thanksgiving, some of the most, some of the most like put together successful people I know get really lonely on Thanksgiving. Yeah. Like Thanksgiving is me and my dog this year. Like we got lonely on Thanksgiving. Literally my, by the way, my dog, she was just coming to me crying all day. I don't know why. I don't know if she was upset. I didn't make a turkey. I don't know what it was. <laughs> but like everybody has problems on Thanksgiving. And I'm a guy like I got diagnosed in junior high with major depression. Mm. I've always had depressive episodes. And like I've had a hard year. Like I've lost everything I've owned, Kevin, three times in 10 years to natural disasters. Mm. And that's a little different than depression. That's just I'm sad my house is destroyed. Right. But like everybody needs to hear something like this. And what you pointed out that means the most to me, the reason I just said what I said was throughout my life, when things are like overproduced and like overly preachy, it just made me angry. Mm -hmm. Like people could be telling me exactly what I needed to hear, but I would 100% cut off my nose to spite my face. 100% if it's overdone. And the fact is these wrestlers, these people who are successful, they're good looking, they've got all these things going for them. And you realizing they still face struggles the same as everybody else does. It's not like we're none of us are alone in being depressed. None of us are alone and suffering and that is a really really great one there's some other little things i could bring up but i think that's the best place in this this segment of the show yeah because i think that's a great one and you brought it to my attention right before we started to record the episode i'm gonna watch it right after we go off the air and i'm excited about it so now let's talk about what we have to look forward to this coming week i think we've got some really good matches first of all the segment that you talked about that kind of got cut off of Dynamite is leading to Andrade versus Cody in an Atlanta street fight this Wednesday. Um, I'm excited to see. I used to get really annoyed at the individual, like this is a St. Louis street fight. Right. But I'm excited to see what's going to make it an Atlanta street fight. Is it going to be the old Funk Roads Wars that made the streets of Atlanta run red with blood, Kevin? <laughs> I hope that's it. I hope they have to fight until yes. the streets are running red with blood. That would be my preference. I yes. doubt that's what it's going to be. We want knee pads over jeans, cowboy boots, exactly tucked into cowboy boots, right. cut up black t-shirts, bandanas. We are, you know, Kevin, you and I are in a unique position to know, along yeah. with all old WCW fans, exactly what a bunkhouse brawl is. Oh, apparently yeah. they happen way too often. And yeah. 
it makes one start to wonder about what went on in bunkhouses. Right. But uh, <laughs> let's see. Then we've got we've got Brian Danielson versus Allen Angels. Mm-hmm. Um, number five. Number five can wrestle. He is. Every episode of Being the Elite, he is getting beaten down and ridiculed. They literally cut off his his penis in an episode, mm. and it turns out it looked remarkably like a shrimp. Um, okay. Yeah, he is definitely he is the laughing stock of the Dark Order, but he can wrestle. I think that has a lot of potential. Yeah, he's the guy that uh, you know famously Kenny Omega lets look really good in their two big yeah. matches. So we'll he, see if Danielson got- does something similar. Kenny got so much heat for that. People were yeah. so angry. He gave number five so much. And I had totally forgotten about that till you mentioned it. Um, we've got, so I'll run through these and then we can talk about the ones we're going to talk about. Mm-hmm. Sting and Darby Allen versus Billy and Colton Gunn. I'm assuming this is for the ashes of Austin Gunn. Winner keeps the urn. <laughs> we got Ruby Soho versus Chris Statlander. Super excited about that. Yep. Uh, that's, of course, part of the TBS tournament. FTR versus Lucha Brothers, two out of three falls on Rampage. And Sammy Guevara versus Tony Nese on Rampage. Which one of those are you most looking forward to? Man, that's tough. Um, it's a lot of good matches there. That is a lot of good matches. I'm I'm probably intrigued by this the Tony Nese Sammy match just to see the of you know how well he'll do. Yeah. Um, you know the Lucha Brothers FTR match has the potential to be crazy. You know the FTR pointed out that you know they have a history with two out of three falls matches. One of my mm-hmm. favorite matches of the last ten years was the two or three falls with them against DIY and NXT. Um, and so at the same time. Phoenix can kind of get on my nerves a little bit and, uh, you know, just being too outrageously amazing <laughs> sometimes. Yeah. yeah. Um, so if they can kind of contain it and focus it a little bit, I mean, that could be the match of the week for sure. FTR is one of the one of the they were in my mind earlier when I was talking about it's not just the women who can get lazy. FTR are not FTR. Lucha Brothers are clearly maybe the greatest tag team in the world today. They are in the mix. They are mm-hmm. top three. Yep. And sometimes they will start laying in punches that they're not yes. even paying attention. They're literally just pinwheeling their arms. Yep. And it gets on my nerves because I know how great they are. And I know they should never have a slip like that. And it's something that I've seen Ray Phoenix do. Mm-hmm. Also, listen, people, I talked about depression earlier. I, like apparently this is just open season here on James Bowie Daniel. I also have legit diagnosed OCD, which is why I have to bring this up. Kevin Excalibur and the commentary team have been driving me crazy with the new <laughs> pronunciation of Ray Phoenix. All of a sudden it's Ray Phoenix, and yes. I'm not going to go there. I'm not doing it. It has been Ray Phoenix to me for the better part of a decade. I'm not saying Ray Phoenix. Stand I don't know what's, what is happening there yeah. after the year long, the year-long, uh, like, I don't even know what to call it. Um, the year-long soap opera of the name of Penta. Yes. From Penta to Penta El Zero. Yeah. To Penta El Zero M to Penta El Zero Miedo. Yeah. Can we just settle on some names for these poor guys? <laughs> I love them. I really love them. I, yeah. wanted, I want their names to be static for at least a month. I'll stand just give with me you. one solid he'll, month. He'll, be, he'll always be Ray Phoenix to me, just, just, just <laughs> to have you back. I appreciate that. And also, when I was looking at this list and I asked you the question, I was thinking my answer might be Chris Statlander, Ruby Soho. I'm mm-hmm. into the tournament. 
I really like Chris Atlander. I think she I think she might be a little bit better wrestler than Ruby Soho right now. I think that's probably a controversial opinion. I love them both. But in saying that, then you immediately start talking about FTR and Lucha Brothers. I'm like, this could be a this could be a six and a half star match. It literally <laughs> could at any could time. And it's because we keep getting matches like this. Like we're getting Lucha Brothers and Pac versus mm-hmm. Malachi Black and Andrade. Like we get yeah. so much great wrestling. Like it a little gets lost in the translation at what yep. great wrestling we're seeing. Because for all the reminiscing I like to do about WCW and the great shows back in the day, mm-hmm. we also had Big Josh and PN News. That's right. Almost every pay-per-view, like we had some great stuff at the top, but we always had PN News, who wasn't the worst. Yeah. But generally he was not the best. There was <laughs> A lot of stuff like that. Um, I'm excited. I'm. I'm. In, I shouldn't say excited. I'm interested to see where Sting and Darby Allen goes mm-hmm. with Billy Gunn. I, I feel like it's leading somewhere interesting. I just don't know where that is yet. Especially since we've already got what to me would feel like the payoff from this, which isn't Sting Billy Gunn, which I think is the payoff. Mm-hmm. Like if they would have done this from the beginning and it was leading to Sting to Darby Allen Billy Gunn. Like, that was great. I loved yeah, that. And I that would have been a too. great thing to anticipate for days on end. So, yeah, listen, um, I should have had a, a I should have had an email address set up for this. But if you want to email questions to us for the next episode before I get an email address set up, you can email them to me, James at PunchersChanceMedia.com. Or peppermintfatty at yahoo.com. Either one works. Um, I'll get them. I'll forward them to Kevin. And we would love to hear your takes on the show, what we can do better. Um, if you know, if you like something, let us know what you like. And also just your opinions on everything we're talking about this week. I'd love to know which matches you are most looking forward to this week. And then we can look back on them next week and see who was right. What was the best match of the week from this? Um, Kevin, I'm really excited to, uh, for us to jump forward to when you're going to be at Winter is Coming. I can't wait oh, for yeah. that. I can't wait to get the opinion of someone who was there. And then uh, if you get a chance to watch it back and, and do the comparison. I always like hearing stuff like that from Dave Meltzer. Uh, so I'm excited that we're going to get it here on our show from you. And folks, I think that was the boom for this week. Uh, Kevin, have a good one. And uh, we'll talk to you Me all too. next next Monday. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.